This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. Hi, and welcome to our Smarter Law Cast on business restructuring and being risk ready. In this episode, we're discussing the matters a business in financial distress should consider from an operational and financial perspective to be able to deal with its situation. My name is Scott Butler, and I'm a partner in Hall & Wilcox's dispute resolution practice, specialising in restructuring and insolvency. Today, I'm joined by Jackie Barrett, a corporate and commercial partner, and David Cooper, a partner in our banking and financial services practice. Jackie, David and I are all members of Hall & Wilcox's restructuring and turnaround team. We focus on assisting underperforming businesses to restructure their business affairs so that they can survive and thrive. Welcome, Jackie and David. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. So today we're talking about what options a business in distress has available to it to be able to continue to trade and minimise its risk. And that includes understanding what issues and risks a distressed company should be alert to. So Jackie, if you find your business is under serious financial pressure, what are the first steps that you might take? Thanks, Scott. I think the first step is to understand better the precise situation you find yourself in and what are all the moving parts. So I think first, of course, consult with your professional advisors because they will have insights. They also have a good understanding, particularly your accountant and your tax advisor will have a good understanding of the financial situation you might be in and also your financial exposures that you need to be prepared for. But what I describe to my clients is basically an internal due diligence. It's the sort of thing you might go through in a sale process, but it's really just to understand where are your key assets? What are your key liabilities? Who are your key customers and suppliers? What do you need to be able to continue trading and to deliver on projects and to deliver services to the high standard that you want to be able to deliver? And in terms of your key assets, it helps you identify Are there other streams of revenue that may be attached to those assets? Are those assets at particular risk? Are they subject to encumbrances? Um, And that will be relevant to David's discussion later uh, in terms of relationships with the bank. Uh, Because if you did have to refinance, if you have heavily encumbered assets from other sources, that won't be particularly attractive to a bank. But understanding that is super important. If you happen to have your assets sitting outside your business and they are actually held by a third party, it would then be important to understand what security you have taken over that third party to ensure those assets are secured and are at lower risk. Thanks, Jackie. So one of the, I guess, one of the important things would be to to understand, you know, all the contractual terms that you have with your suppliers and customers. Um, Would that be right? That's 100% right. So from a supplier perspective, of course, you need to understand, well, what are the rights a supplier might have over your business and assets in the event that you're not able to pay their bills in a timely manner? And so understanding if they have interest clauses, which can be very dangerous, and understanding what their termination rights might be. So one of the key issues for businesses that are in financial distress is when suppliers start to refuse to supply because then of course 
that extrapolates out to a problem of you not being able to then deliver services or goods and services to your customers. And so it is super important for you to understand what your supply terms and conditions say. And then from a customer side, ideally, you will have a set of terms and conditions that you have in place with your customers. And so that you are in a position to be able to communicate with those customers and manage issues, for example, if there is a delay in supply, um, which do not give that customer a right to terminate. So certainly very important to be on top of how those terms and conditions, both from a supplier perspective and a customer perspective operate. Okay, so what we're really talking about is taking steps to make sure that you have all the requisite information to make good decisions. And, and once you've, you know, once you've got all that information, you've done your internal due diligence as you refer to it, then what, what do you do with that information? So Scott, once you have that information, you would use that information to put together really like a recovery plan. And so Understanding your exposure to liability, understanding where you might have issues with clients, understanding where you might have risks with assets is really important to then developing a plan that will help you ideally trade out of this distressed position that you're in. So I would take that information to create a plan. I'd also be using that information to try and ascertain what would be a market value for the business. And now that sounds a bit doom and gloom, but I'm not suggesting that is necessarily the case. You would then have to sell the business and you certainly want to avoid a scenario where you're having to value the business in really what would be a fire sale context. So um, having all the, the information at your fingertips about your business and its, its assets and its liabilities and its opportunities would be very helpful in assessing value. And that value can be really, really relevant to assessing restructure options for your business. And so once I had that plan together and had a very a good understanding of where the business sat, I would be looking at, well, what are my options to try and alleviate some of the financial stress that I'm under? And, and so that, that then plays into looking at restructure options. And also another option, of course, would be to look at new ways of commercialising key assets that you might have. And so, for example, some of our clients, uh, a lot of our clients actually, have intellectual property as a key asset. They may only be leveraging its value by direct services to customers, but they may see a new stream of revenue from licensing that intellectual property out to, uh, to third parties, as well as continuing to use it in their own business. That's just one example of things that could be done. But in terms of restructure options, um, you might look to seeking out new investment, and that would mean bringing more third parties potentially into the business structure. You may look uh, in terms of managing risk and exposure to liability, you may look at restructure options which move key assets into uh, entities where they can be quarantined or it's quarantined as much as possible from risk. And so we often see structures where there might be a holding company and an IP holding company. And so you have you separate out those key assets so that they, they are protected from potential from risks that might arise if your financial distress continues to be a problem. Recently, we've had a number of clients undergo a restructure which involves really a separation of the key founders of the business. And sometimes that is just what happens. Either you grow apart as founders and you have a different perspective on the direction of the business, 
or there are other opportunities that you want to pursue. And so that restructure can involve a separation of the of the founders and a separation of the business assets. So it would involve setting up new structures. It would also involve the transfer of assets to the respective founder as appropriate. And, and of course then, uh, and da David will speak to this as well, you'd need to be looking at the different financing arrangement, arrangements that might be needed to support that structure. And then, in, in I think maybe, I, I won't call it the worst case scenario, but the other option of course, is to look at, is there, a buyer for your business, but ideally at an acceptable market value for that business. Okay, thanks, Jackie. Well, that's that's um, certainly covers a lot of different options in relation to what a restructuring plan may look like. David, turning to you, one of the key issues that a business needs to deal with if it's in financial distress is its financing arrangements. And most businesses will have a range of different finance. I mean, they could be anything from secured bank debt, equipment finance, bond facilities, letters of credit facilities, and, and the list goes on. What, what are some of the options for managing these debts, these financial debts of a business? Yeah, thanks, Scott. I, I think the first step is similar to, uh, to what Jackie said, um, is to really understand the position that you're in. And I think if you've, if you've gone to the through the steps that Jackie's talked about and identified the different options for your business, that that will be very helpful in dealing with with your banks as well. I would I would start with um, looking at trying to um, consolidate debts as much as possible. Um, if you've got a lot a lot of different debts, there will be a tendency to get overwhelmed by. Um, by where they all sit. I think if you can consolidate them as much as possible, that's going to make things a lot easier to manage, um, particularly where you've got high interest debts and, and lower interest debts. I would be trying to clear out the higher interest debts or at least consolidate them um, into a, a lower blended rate across um, across the, the debt stack that, that the business has. Um, I would try and deal with debts that expire soon um, before debts that expire later. Um, I'd prioritise payments um, for near-term debts or at least ask for extensions early and, and gain an understanding from your banks as to whether uh, banks are willing to, to look at extending those, those debts. Um, I would be trying to talk to banks early about putting payment plans in place, um, both, both banks and other um, creditors, um, if if that is if that is possible, um, I would be asking for, in respect of banks, a waiver of covenant testing or amortisation requirements that you may have. Um, and I wouldn't. I'd be very specific about how long you need um, for those those covenant breaks or or um, amortisation holidays. I, you know, a bank is not going to agree to putting those on hold indefinitely um, without calling in the loan and, and taking enforcement action. But we found during the, the COVID period and previously during the, if, even if you go as far back as the GFC, banks were, were reasonably willing to work with businesses that were going through temporary um, rough patches, um, but less willing uh, to, to deal with businesses where there was either no plan for how to trade out of the, those difficult circumstances or where it was a, a more long-term issue that the business was facing. Um, 
I would I would also be checking default rates uh, because sometimes what where you may you may have a hidden cost is is when you go to look at the default rate on a particular debt that you may have. The interest rate may be reasonable, but the the default rate may be incredibly high, or, or there may be some sort of break fee um, that is payable uh, the moment you get into into arrears or default. Um, so I'd be be careful at, about looking at that sort of stuff, um, and I would prioritise anything that you identify has a very high default rate. I would be trying to not get to that point. Um, either use lower interest debt to pay out high interest debt or, or or if you've got the funds available pay out the high interest debt before triggering any any um, increased costs um, by way of uh, you know uh, high default rates um, and if you have more than one lender I would I would definitely be trying to um, to see if you can um, roll, as many as many debts as you can into one. Yes, there's a there's a lot of good options there, David. Um, I guess the question that uh, I have is, we we see um, life. I've seen that that some businesses are reluctant to to speak to their financiers about these issues. So what what sort of point in time would you suggest that you be you know speaking with your financiers? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Scott, I, th I think it depends on the relationship you have with your bank. Um, hopefully, you've got a good relationship with your bank. Um, and in, in that case, I would be suggesting to talk early um, because having a good relationship with your bank and getting the support early on in a, in a distressed period of your bank is going to help a lot with your, your discussions and negotiations with other, other stakeholders. If, if you're able to tell other suppliers and customers that your bank is supportive of your restructuring or turnaround plan, um, that adds a lot of weight to whether or not they will also um, be confident in what you're trying to achieve. Conversely, if you've got a, a poor relationship with your bank, I would be trying to get another key stakeholder on board with your plan so that the revert you can do the reverse with your bank you can go to them and say I've my key customer is supportive of my turnaround plan therefore you as my bank should also be um, I, I think there is to some extent in these circumstances safety in numbers um, but I would say that having your bank support is probably of of the greatest value compared to some of the other stakeholders that you may be dealing with I would also say that depends on the level of um, of distress that you're in, um, the extent to which your or how detailed your plan is and and the nature of your your distress. Um, if it's temporary, you know the plan may not need to be as detailed as if uh, compared to if your distress is is longer term and and you need to undertake some some drastic changes to the way you operate. Um, Definitely, as a general rule, I would say speak speak to your bank as early as possible um, because they they have an information right typically under their financing documents. So the clients I've seen with the best relationships with their banks tend to be oversharers of information, given that they tend to take the view that the bank has information rights anyway. 
So they're going to find out sooner rather than later. Um, and there's an obligation to inform the bank sooner rather than later. So even if I don't have a technical requirement to inform the bank, I may as well do so because it's probably going to maintain a, a good working relationship and have the bank more supportive in times when when things are not going so well. Yeah, that's certainly been my my experience that in the um, the numerous restructurings I've been involved in talking to the bank um, as early as you can, I've certainly found that to be the, the best option. Now, Jackie, David, David's been talking about discussions with financiers, um, but how important is it in relation to communicating generally with stakeholders? Well, I would I would echo David's views on um, trying to be as open as possible with your financiers. I think that the same goes for your customers, suppliers, and stakeholders. But I would advocate having, I suppose, a communications plan in place for those communications. So what you don't want to do is cause panic. So if you're talking to your customers, suppliers, and suppliers about an issue, uh, you should have a plan for how to communicate that and ideally you will have had your discussion with your bank, you'll have a, a good idea of what the next steps are for you and what you need from that customer or that supplier to be able to proceed and succeed. <laughs> and so I would say open lines of communication and early communication, particularly with suppliers, uh, is super important. Um, with suppliers, if you are going to enter into a new arrangement with them, whereby you may have a different payment arrangement or they agree not to perhaps deliver at the same level of stock for a period or some other arrangement, it's very important in addition to communicating well with them and explaining the situation and then helping them understand what your plan is to recover, that you then document those arrangements with those suppliers. And that's because when things get, if things were to get tougher, you want to have a written document that will, that reflects the agreement that you reached. And so that they, the supplier then doesn't turn around and seek to rely on their, their original terms, which can create problems for you in the business. In terms of other stakeholders, if you are in a business where there are multiple shareholders and perhaps there's one shareholder or individual who is more engaged in the day-to-day -day operation of the business, it's important to engage with those shareholders early, inform them of what is going on, um, and also reflect on what is in your shareholder agreement about these situations. Because you may have provision in your shareholder agreement that deals with financing issues um, and the steps that you might need to take and the obligations that the other shareholders might have to contribute to ensure that the business is supported and can get through tough times. And so that is an important step for you to look to. I would also, of course, engage with your board of directors if you have a board. Uh, and that uh, an important part of that is, of course, ensuring that directors are able to meet all of their fiduciary and statutory duties to the company in these circumstances. Of course, a key priority is ensuring that 
the company continues to trade and is not trading insolvent um, and is able to pay its debts as and when they fall due. And so engaging with your board, informing them and keeping them informed of developments. Again, you may have a mix of executive and non-executive directors. And so it will be important to engage with all of those individuals in whatever role that they play so that they, that there is that they fully understand the risks to which the company is exposed and they can make informed decisions about what steps the company needs to take. And the final point I would make is if you are a business that is subject to regulation, uh, it is always useful to engage with the regulator um, if there is these sorts of issues going on, being upfront um, and being open with those regulators in my experience of clients who are in regulated businesses, the earlier that they engage, the better. Um, there is generally a degree of sympathy and um, support and help that is available in these situations, but that is less so if they are, if they are caught um, by surprise, um, if there is an issue down the track. And so the sooner that you can engage and explain these situations and your plan, the better. David, another important party in any distressed situation is your landlord. Um, how, how should you deal with your landlord in these situations? Yeah, thanks, Scott. I, I think it's important to, to deal early with your landlord. Um, what you want to avoid is a situation where your landlord doesn't know what's going on um, and may take steps to call on any bank guarantees that you may have sitting with the landlord uh, to secure your rental obligations. Um, the last thing you want is a is a, a landlord call on a bank guarantee, which then in turn creates a, an additional financial liability that you then need to satisfy with the bank that has paid out under that bank guarantee. So as an alternative, working out a plan for uh, rental payments without a bank guarantee being called on is obviously better than uh, than having it called. Well, thanks very much, Jackie and David, for all your insights. Um, one of the things I think we see too often is the clients leave it just too late to get help, and that gives them less options and makes affecting a turnaround or a restructure much more difficult. And so from my perspective, if there was only one thing that listeners took away from today's discussion, it would be the sooner you act and get assistance and start to work on a turnaround or a structuring plan, the better your outcome will be. Thanks everyone for listening today. As always, please get in touch with us if you have any questions. You can find our details on our website, which is hallandwilcox.com.au or connect with us on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, then rate, review or follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.